Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so we begin episode 11, and this episode is all about the comic miniseries Obi-Wan and Anakin. So I want to preface this series by saying this is one of my favourite of the comic miniseries. Um, the writer for it is Charles Saul. I've mentioned him a couple times. He actually was the author of the first comic I reviewed on this show, uh, The Rise of Kylo Ren. He also did the Lando miniseries, uh, which I'll be covering in a later episode. And he also did the second run of the Darth Vader comics, uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, um, which is my favourite comic run of anything. <laughs> and also he is currently doing the second run of the main Star Wars comics. So a couple episodes ago, I spoke about the first arc in the first run of Star Wars comics that is set between episodes four and five. The second run is set between episodes five and six, which I'll be covering once there's a few more issues out, because at the moment there's only about three or four, I think. Um, but that's what Charles Soule does. He's one of my favourite uh, Star Wars authors. And then the artist is Marco Cicchetto, and the colourist is Andreas Mossa. Um, both Cicchetto and Mossa have been involved in other comics, I've reviewed on this show. They're fantastic as well. So it's a really good start to the comic series. So I'll just give a bit of background information about the comic itself before getting into the narrative. So this was, as I said, a five-part mini-series, one of my favourites. I do quite like mini-series, a lot of fun, especially to talk about on this channel. As I said, all of the five issues were written, drawn and coloured by the same people I just mentioned. Issue number one was released in January 2016, and the fifth and final issue was released May 2016, and then the collection of all of them put together in just one annual graphic novel was July 20. 2016. Uh, I have got the graphic novel, um, unlike some of the other annuals that come out where it's got collections, this just has the Obi-Wan and Anakin comics. Whereas if you remember last week, the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comic, that also included, if you bought the, the annual of it, of the collection, that also included the one-shot of Beckett comics and the Shattered Empire comic, which I think might be drawn by Marco Cicchetto as well, that included the C-3PO Red Arm comic too. So in this one, it is just if you want to buy the five comics individually or you want to buy the annual, it doesn't really matter. But the annual looks quite cool because you get to see some of the variant covers in it too. So this comic centers around Obi-Wan and Anakin before Attack of the Clones. So this comic is set three years after Phantom Menace. Obviously, the end of Phantom Menace was when Obi-Wan stopped being a Padawan after he defeated Darth Maul and he became a Jedi Knight. And then also Anakin got enrolled into the Jedi Order and became Obi-Wan's Padawan. And before we get into the narrative and things, I just want to give a couple of little bits of information about age and things, because in all lore that I enjoy, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, I often really like finding out how old characters are. Uh, and in something like Star Wars, I find, I don't know, it just kind of ties things together and saying, you know, things are, you know, whatever BBY or whatever ABY is fine. For me, it just kind of adds a bit more depth knowing how old the characters are. So I'm just going to give a little bit of information about that quick. So for full clarity, the Phantom Menace took place 32 years before the Battle of Yavin. 
that's just in case you hadn't heard episode zero, BBY, before the Battle of Yavin, ABY, after the Battle of Yavin, and the Battle of Yavin was when the Rebels blew up the Death Star. So in the original Star Wars and, you know, episode four in New Hope. So that's the out-of-universe way of being able to tell time. There's loads of calendars within Star Wars, but they're all different and complicated and stuff. So just, it's general easy to stick with ABY and BBY. So Phantom Menace, 32 years before the Battle of Yavin. At that time, Anakin was nine years old and Obi-Wan was 20. 25 years old. I thought I'd be almost younger than that, so it surprised me when I found this. This comic is set 29 BBY, three years after The Phantom Menace, so that makes Anakin 12 years old and Obi-Wan 28 years old. In Attack of the Clones, that took place 22 BBY, so Attack of the Clones is 10 years after Phantom Menace, seven years after this comic, and in Attack of the Clones, Anakin is 19 years old and Obi-Wan is 35 years old. I thought that was just quite cool, just as a bit of knowledge, and, you know, Revenge of the Sith was three years after Attack of the Clones, so Anakin was around 22, 23 in Revenge of the Sith, and Obi-Wan was around 38, which is quite insane. But as just a little bit as well, obviously in this comic, Anakin is 12 years old, which is very young for a Padawan to be going on a mission, essentially. But just to reference, if anyone has seen the show The Clone Wars, which I really recommend, it's an amazing show, I'd probably say skip all of season one, apart from the episode Grievous Intrigue. No, Lair of Grievous, I think it's called. Uh, that episode's brilliant. Uh, the first episode, I think Rookies is really good. And then the last episode leads on to series two. But if anyone's going to watch The Clone Wars, I love Star Wars. I would say watch the movie that isn't that great and then skip almost all of season one and then go on with series two. Uh, there are a couple of guides online that show what ones you can miss and stuff, but from series three onwards, all the episodes are quite consistent. But the reason I'm bringing up the Clone Wars is because there's a character in it called Ahsoka Tano, who is actually Anakin's Padawan, which may be a surprise for anyone who hasn't explored the wider canon very much that Anakin does or did have a Padawan actually during the Clone Wars. But Ahsoka Tano in the Clone Wars film, as well as right at the start of the series, she is around 14 years old. So Anakin in this comic is around two years younger than Ahsoka is when you first see her in Clone Wars, just as a kind of guide to see how old Padawans are in certain respects. And just to put some numbers specifically to it, Anakin was born 41 BBY. He was born on Tatooine, obviously nine years before the events of Phantom Menace. And Obi-Wan was born 57 BBY on a planet called Stoojon. I think Stoojon was a name that George Lucas kind of jokingly gave to the planet that Obi-Wan came from because Jon Stewart asked him and he said Stoojon because that's like a joke on his name. But that is now the official canon. And if you read the Star Wars Adventures comics, which I personally don't because Star Wars Adventures is generally targeted to a more younger audience and there's loads of them, so don't really have time to add that in. In the Star Wars Adventures comics, which are still canon, there is a character from Stoojon as well. He doesn't have very much in it. There's not really much to him. His, his name is Tad Martins. He's a pilot of no combat experience and he gets involved in the sort of rebellion fighting after the Battle of Endor, so after the second Death Star blows up and Vader and Sidious are gone. But he's in, yeah, Star Wars Adventures. There's not very much about Stoojon. In Legends, there's a bit more about it, but it's basically just a planet similar-ish to Earth. That's all you really need to know. That's where Obi-Wan comes from. But in the canon, they haven't really explored Obi-Wan very much at all. As in, very much before the films at all. And then the last couple of things, just before I get into the narrative as well. 
Obi-Wan mentions it in this comic, and I may have mentioned it before, but at the time of the sort of Golden Republic era, essentially before the events of Revenge of the Sith, when Order 66 happens and the Great Jedi Purge occurs, there are around 10,000 Jedi. So that's generally the amount of Jedi they are, and it says it right at the start of the comic, because um, Anakin asks a few questions to Obi-Wan about it. So I thought I'd just add that in, 10,000 Jedi. After Order 66, I'm sure like 90-something percent of them were killed. We know of a few. I think we know of like 10 or 20 that were kind of guaranteed alive after order 66 but i'm not going to get into that now and one of the last things before i get into the full narrative is that to quote it anakin is stronger in the force than any child in generations so anakin when he was training as a padawan in this comic and you know just after phantom menace it was very clear that he was already more attuned with the force and if we go back to the rise of kylo ren comic also written by charles saul but was obviously released more recently than this comic luke mentions to one of the padawans he says that the force is like a door some people start with this door open more widely to begin with and that's their connection to the force whereas other people need to try a lot harder with it um obi-wan has always been one of those people that's had to try really hard with it he started off not being very gifted with the force he obviously had a gift of the force enough for the jedi to pick him up but he was basically the opposite of anakin he had to try really hard and push through and really struggle whereas anakin's kind of had the opposite where he's really in tune with the force but his emotional maturity isn't quite up to scratch or up to what it should be in the eyes of the jedi so that's basically it from all this sort of background information i wanted to give you guys that's quite cool about obi-wan and anakin without delving too far into it and i'll get on with the comic so in this comic it flashes backwards and forwards there's basically a main mission that Obi-Wan and Anakin goes on and then it also flashes back to before the mission of kind of the build up to it um, I'm going to read it essentially in the order the comic does I don't want to just say everything that happens before and then everything that happens in the mission because it kind of ruins the storytelling a little bit I find I would really really recommend people check this out I am as I always say in this, I'm going to read the story to you. I'm going to explain what happens, but I am paraphrasing some of it. I'll try and quote certain things as well, but I don't want to sit here and just read a comic to you because it's not very enjoyable for me and it's not going to be very enjoyable for you guys. So really recommend this comic. It is one of my favorites. I'd say this and the Rise of Kylo Ren comic are probably the two best mini series uh, that you can get. The best full running series I've read thus far is the second run of Darth Vader comics, but which all of them are written by Charles Saul. Who could have guessed? But essentially this comic starts with Obi-Wan and Anakin crash landing onto a planet called Carnelian 4. Uh, for clarity, there's no other canon appearances of this planet. It's only in this comic, so there's not really any other connections to the fauna that live there or anything like that. So the comic starts, as I say, with them crashing on this planet. They, you know, jump out the ship, they're fine and things, but obviously they realise they need another mode of transport to get off-world. Um, but what's happened is there's a Jedi distress beacon that's a really old one that the Order haven't heard in a very long time to this planet, so Anakin and Obi-Wan venture to it. Now, I'm just going to read you a couple of things specifically from the comic. I don't do it very often, but I think that when it's prudent to, it's good. And I think it just kind of gives a good explanation to how Anakin even from an early age, start to question quite a lot of things about the Jedi. So, this will be Anakin starting talking, and then Obi-Wan. I'm not going to read absolutely loads, but basically it. What happened here, Master Obi-Wan? War. The people on this planet destroyed themselves many generations ago. Why did the public allow it? This world was not part of the Republic. There was nothing here that the Senate needed. And the Jedi, they couldn't do anything to stop this. The Jedi Order is under the jurisdiction of the Senate. The same was true when this planet was destroyed. And even if it weren't, there are only 10,000 of us to keep the light of peace alive in the entire galaxy. The Jedi can guide, we can teach, we can help people help themselves. We are not an army. If people are truly determined to write themselves out of existence, there is little we can do. So this entire world, all these people, gone just because that's the system. 
I don't like it either, but yes, the system is not perfect. Then the system should change. Perhaps someday it will, Anakin. So I just want to read that bit out, because normally I just paraphrase things, but that specific interaction is one of the first things you read in the comic. It shows that already Anakin is starting to question things, and it already shows that the Senate only really gets involved when it's down to their own interest. And obviously it's a bit of foreshadowing there, because, you know, Obi-Wan specifically says, we are not an army. You know, this is set about seven or so years before the Clone Wars. So it just goes to show how much the Jedi lost their way going into sort of the Clone Wars and things, because all the content before the Clone Wars is always the Jedi saying, we're not an army, we shouldn't fight people, and a Jedi should only attack when it's on the defence, that sort of thing. And obviously that doesn't happen. Obi-Wan and Anakin then see this big airship. It's kind of like a Zeppelin sort of thing. So it's like a big, tubey uh, balloon with like a carriage thing connected underneath it via ropes and things flying across the sky in this big sort of chasm of rocks and fog and things and that's crashing in front of them and they say we need to go help and then obi-wan passes anakin his lightsaber and says of course anakin but you can't help without this then anakin says master i meant what i said i and then obi-wan interrupts him and says about leaving the order if that is truly what you wish to do then i would like you to be alive when you do it anakin take your lightsaber pad one so that's basically, as you can already tell, the flashbacks are going to go back and forth. Th- that part wasn't a flashback, but the flashbacks start on the next page. And this is basically showing you what Anakin's thought process was about potentially leaving the Order. And this wasn't mentioned in earlier canon than this, but it goes, just goes to show even further. When Anakin was only 12 years old, he'd only been training with the Jedi for three years, and already he's starting to question, wanting to leave the Jedi Order. So it's not, even though in Revenge of the Sith it maybe doesn't show it as perfectly as it potentially could, no arguments there. When you get into the wider canon and things, it starts filling in the gaps a bit more. It does show that Anakin's character has always been kind of a bit resistant to the Jedi Order, and that's one of the many things I love about this comic. So in the flashback, Anakin's basically fighting this droid, this training droid. Uh, Mace Windu, Obi-Wan are watching, and one of them questions, like, what's that? And the droid changes into basically Darth Maul. So then it gets a double-bladed lightsaber for training, and Anakin starts to fight that. This is when he's 12, and he's doing a very, very good job of it. Mace Windu says, like, how did that sort of happen? And Obi-Wan's like, oh, he just asked quite a lot of questions about Darth Maul. I just thought he was being curious. Clearly, he wanted to train against the droid, kind of set as Darth Maul, which is quite interesting. And then the some of the Padawans are basically mocking Anakin, saying that he's a slave to his emotions, and just saying, yeah, he's just a slave. And Anakin gets pretty annoyed about it, and he basically pulls the lightsabers, ignites them mid-air, and aims them at them. And then he kind of realises what he's done as Obi-Wan jumps down. He's like, Anakin, stop! And he's like, oh, oops, sorry, uh, yeah, you're right. I am a bit of a slave to my emotions. You know, I, I just get kind of angry about those sort of things. I do need to worry about those. I'm really sorry if I frightened you at all. And the Padawans are like, it's fine. We're just going to kind of leave now. <laughs> and while that's happening, Palpatine watches and he says it's very impressive. And Palpatine's speaking to Mace Windu and they basically talk about his education and things because Palpatine says it looks like Anakin's training is far from complete after watching him, you know. <laughs> he says it's very impressive that he could fight the Darth Maul training droid, but, it, you know, he needs more training to kind of help him deal with things when he basically threatened the Padawans with their own ignited lightsabers. And so Palpatine says to Mace, you know, I may be able to help him and stuff. You know, I felt a connection to the boy when I met him on Naboo a while ago. And then Mace Windu says, thanks, Chancellor, but, you know, I'm sure Obi-Wan can handle it. And and then Palpatine says, is young Skywalker a Jedi? The Jedi are under the Senate's jurisdiction, and as I am the Chancellor of the Senate, and then Mace Windu just looks at him and goes, of course, Chancellor. <laughs> so Palpatine basically just flexes his power so he can get Anakin under his wing. 
It flashes back to, in air quotes, present day, uh, when they're on the planet of Carnelian 4. Um, this Zeppelin is being shot and is kind of falling down. Anakin and Obi-Wan basically see it and say they need to help. They use the force to kind of slow it falling, and the people within there jump out. It's a young girl and an older woman. The young girl is called Kalara, and the older woman is called Mother Pran, and they basically immediately ask, are you opened or closed, to Obi-Wan and Anakin. They're like, we don't know what you mean. And it's clear that there's two factions fighting on the planet. Some are called open and some are called closed. Anakin and Obi-Wan say we're just Jedi. Mother Pran looks at Kalara and says, what's a Jedi? Which is quite an interesting thing because quite a few people should have really heard of the Jedi by now in the galaxy. They've been around for you know thousands of years. And essentially another Zeppelin airship comes by, starts shooting at them. They try and get into cover and things. And then Obi-Wan goes pretty badass and basically goes up and attacks it. He manages to bring it down and as the person is about to fall out of it, he then saves this other person as well. Then they're on this sort of ice platform, Obi-Wan, Anakin, this person they've just saved, as well as Mother Pran and Kalara. And then it turns out this person they've just saved is called Greca and he is a closed. So you've got the open Kalara and Pran and the closed Greca. They basically start like yelling at each other and threatening each other. They pull out their firearms. Anakin's in the middle and immediately swishes his lightsaber, slices all their um, weapons in half. They then pull out knives and still try and go at each other. And then Obi-Wan uses the force, pulls away their blades and tells them to stop. Obi-Wan says, basically, I'm going now, see you later, come on Anakin. And then the three individuals left all say, we're basically going to leave us to die here. You've destroyed the airship. We can't get back now. What are we going to do? So the Jedi agree to take the trio to safety, essentially, after they squabbled and then said, okay, fine, we'll work together. It turns out the two Zeppelin airships that were broken, one of them, the balloon part was broken, and the other, the sort of carriage part was broken. So they basically say, well, why don't we just put them together? Or rather, Obi-Wan and Anakin suggest that. They both are basically like, no, a closed thing would never work with an open thing, and there's this kind of pettiness to where they're just refusing to work with each other in any way. Anakin and Obi-Wan basically get to convince them, and they're going to repair the ship. Before they get to the ships and get to sort of sort things out, these things called corpse leeches come out. They're not mentioned in the wider canon, but they kind of look like zombies, but mixed with sort of fish people. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but they basically aren't very pretty. And they're essentially mindless corpse eaters, essentially. And Obi-Wan says that they're mindless, they're just animals going on instinct. Look, let's try and use the Force and we'll calm them down. We don't need to kill these. They're not malicious, they're not evil, they're not trying to kill us. They're just on survival. So they try and do it, and essentially Obi-Wan manages to calm them all down on things, and it's fine. Anakin tries, he can't, he can't focus and get people to do it, and so he ends up killing them all. It then flashes back to Anakin trying to calm a beast during his Jedi training with Obi-Wan back on Coruscant. He's trying it and it's not sort of working. He's He can't really get into it because he's not being patient enough. And that's what Obi-Wan says is Anakin's biggest flaw is that he's not patient. He will literally walk a completely different route. If you tell him to wait somewhere and the path will reveal to you, he'll just walk off and find his own path if he's left too long. So Obi-Wan says that quite frequently in this comic that patience is the biggest issue that Anakin has. And then Anakin's basically on Coruscant, he's failing to settle down this beast, and he says, well, we can come back to this later, but someone has summoned you, and it's Palpatine. So Obi-Wan and Anakin go to Palpatine and speak to him and things, and Palpatine says he has a sort of errand to run. Obi-Wan says, okay, that's fine, I can come with you, you know, and Palpatine's like, no, no, I want to take Anakin, and Obi-Wan's like, well, I'm a very experienced Jedi, Anakin's not quite ready for, you know, that sort of thing. 
And then Palpatine says, nonsense, I'm actually really capable of, of handling things myself. There's not going to be any danger of any kind. I just thought there's a few things he could learn. He'd come with me, I'll get him back before the end of the day. He won't miss out on any studies. It would just be quite a cool thing to do. So then it goes to one of Coruscant's subsurface levels, 2685, if anyone's interested. Um, which anyone who knows about Coruscant is, it's a planet which is basically with one trillion people on it. It's one of the main planets in the prequels. It's where the Jedi Temple is, it's where the Senate building is and things. And and the higher up you are, the more rich and wealthy it is. And then you go basically down underground through various levels of it. And from what I can understand, from what I've read, it's basically the further down you go, the more poverty stricken you are. In fact, Palpatine says at one point in here that the most valuable resource on Coruscant is actually the sky. So saying that, you know, people at the depth don't even see the sky. They don't even get to see that. Whereas people at the, the top, you know, kind of take it for granted. So Palpatine's taking Anakin around these sort of, not quite slums, but it's like, you know, in a, almost like a dodgy neighbourhood. That's basically where they are. And they're talking around and Palpatine's saying about how the previous Chancellor, Chancellor Valorum, who was shown in Phantom Menace, basically saying how, you know, he's useless and that sort of thing. I want to clarify, in Phantom Menace is when Palpatine became the Chancellor. So he's basically talking about Valorum being useless and things and how when he's because he's now the Chancellor, Palpatine goes to the depths and sees the people and things. He wants to kind of experience what's going on down, even in the depths. He doesn't like being up high and there's an air quotes thrown in a sense. And he also says about there's a lot of darkness down here and he wants to try and balance out some light. So what he often does is he comes down here in disguise and to quote him, he tries to do some good. And then it goes back to Carnelian 4. Anakin and Obi-Wan are talking in the back of the ship saying just see how quickly they changed their minds when we said about the reason that they were there and how it was quite a bit odd so maybe keep an eye out on that and then yeah Anakin says oh they're just like us and then Obi-Wan's like oh I don't really see that at all you know we may have some issues from time to time but we're master and student and then Anakin goes no 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 master us the Jedi and the Sith and Obi-Wan just kind of looks at him for a moment and then just says will remain watchful and trust in the force and then kind of changes the subject so already there you're like oh, anakin's already questioning and asking questions about the jedi and the sith and obi-wan doesn't do what qui-gon probably would have done which is talk to him about it. frankly he kind of glazes over it which is one of the problems with obi-wan as a master he's one of my favorite characters in star wars but it's very clear in the prequels he is not the best suited master for anakin qui-gon potentially would have been qui-gon may have changed the events but that's not the canon so on the ship, they've been on for a while, it's been moving and things like that. And what happens is that Obi-Wan and Anakin spot something, and the rest of the crew also spot it as well. And it's this box tied to like a kite. So what happens is Mother Pran and Greca go and grab the gift. And while that happens, Mother Pran says to Kalara, the young girl, says, Look, stay back, it's not safe. And so they're trying to get this box thing. They open it up, it just looks like a sort of shiny coin thing. They say it's junk and chuck it out. While they're looking at that and things, Anakin asks Kalara what's sort of going on and things. Is that a sky gift, which people keep talking about? And Kalara says no. What actually happens is that things fall from the sky, often ships and things like that. If you can salvage them and there's stuff in them, there's like a sky gift. And she says that Anakin's a sky gift because it's, you know, a gift from the sky, something positive. But the majority of the time, things that come from the sky are just junk and useless so a sky gift is like a good way of talking about a thing that came from the sky and she says that what they probably found 
they may think is junk, but that she thinks these things are quite cool. And she shows Anakin this little sort of similar looking, it's like a giant gold coin, but it's kind of like purpley in some way. It looks quite cool. And she says, look, keep this away because if they found I had it, they'd get rid of it. And I just, I really like this sort of thing. And she says, you know, it's, it's a beautiful little thing. And Anakin's like, why can't you keep it? And she's like, because they say I can't. So it's like a bit of a, okay, why are they doing this sort of thing? So then it flashes back to Palpatine and Anakin uh, in this sort of dodgier place. They go to this bar and they start speaking while they're in there. Obviously, they're in disguise and things for full clarity. And essentially, Palpatine's talking to Anakin about how it's corrupt and things there. And Anakin's like, well, can't the Senate come down and, you know, clean this up? And Palpatine says, well, there are senators here right now. And he points one of them out who is gambling quite a lot. And he basically talks to um, Anakin about it and eventually Palpatine basically says it's a shame we can't do anything to kind of catch the senator in action maybe we could sort of do something about it and then it cuts back to back to Carnelian 4 sorry I keep saying Carnelian it's it's quite hard flashing backwards and forwards between the things that giving too much detail and it's making my brain hurt so sorry about that but yeah back on Carnelian 4 with Obi-Wan and the guys all on the uh, airship Anakin's basically tweaking his lightsaber and Kalara says, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I've just got a gift for fixing things. And she's like, oh, really? And speaks to Mother Pran. Mother Pran goes over to Anakin, passes him this weird ball thing and says, look, it's broken. Can you fix it? And within moments, he's already fixed it. And she's like, what? No one's been able to fix that on Earth. That's amazing, Anakin. I can't believe you've got this gift. You can actually save everyone, that sort of thing. While that's going on, Obi-Wan's talking to Greca and is basically just echoing the fact that it's been difficult training Anakin, but Anakin really lacks patience. He's brilliant, but he doesn't want to fail Anakin he feels like he is failing Anakin but he doesn't want to and he's trying really hard and he's he's kind of stuck a little bit then suddenly one of the windows smashes and people are like, oh my god what's going on and then these things called fissures come out fissures are basically very similar to corpse leeches they kind of look like they're beings that would live in an ocean but they're very humanoid uh, sort of stuff but apparently fissures are sentient whereas corpse leeches aren't but they're still these monstery sort of humanoid things trying to sort of take down the airship and then they're like this is it we need to sort of act now so mother pran says to clara this is your moment you need to do that thing go and then she goes over to anakin and says quick protect me so obi-wan and greca then get to the window that's just been smashed to try to protect people and then anakin reaches for his lightsaber to help realize it's gone it's like what and then mother pran smacks him in the head with a wrench and then mother pran grabs him and tells Kalara to get out so then Kalara, Mother Pran and Anakin basically get out Obi-Wan is obviously distracted fighting people but just sees them escape, is about to get them and then Pran says now and the whole airship explodes as the airship is basically crashing to the ground you manage to see that Obi-Wan grabs Greca and they manage to jump out and just land on like a ledge that's sticking out and just about survive. They get surrounded by corpse leeches and then Obi-Wan ignites his blade, says, look, I don't want to fight you. They start getting a bit closer. He swipes a rock next to him. It slices through it and then the piece of rock falls down and then all the corpse leeches look at it and then basically run away. Uh, I just want to put that in there just to show that Obi-Wan's approach is always or usually to try to not resort to violence. He's always trying to not kill things unnecessarily whereas obviously Anakin is much more about going in if people defy me get them essentially. Not quite as much when he's only 12 but even earlier in the comic as I mentioned when he was surrounded by them he couldn't get in tune with them. He couldn't focus and like calm the creatures down and go with them in that way. He just couldn't he wasn't patient enough and end up killing them which obviously these creatures aren't necessarily good or bad but it's just quite interesting of the two differences in the jedi even from this early on 
So Greca and Obi-Wan leave the area they're in. They go towards where Greca believes that the open may be hiding. And then he gives Obi-Wan like a face mask thing and basically says, look, you need to wear this while you're down at the sort of depths. The air's been poisoned, all that fog and stuff. And if you breathe all that in, you're going to turn into one of those fissure things, which is those sentient versions of the corpse leeches, essentially. Flash to Anakin, Mother Pran, and Kalara. Um, they get into this sort of fortress place where all of the open are all sort of hiding. And essentially the little ball thing that he fixed earlier, she pops that into this really big battle droid. They're not the ones that you've seen from the Clone Wars and things. It kind of looks like one of the things right at the start of Robocop, if anyone's seen that. Basically, really hugely tall. I'd probably say about... 14 feet tall and it's just got two giant legs two giant guns and then sort of a middle head-ish section with a gun on top of that so quite heavy artillery and essentially what mother pran says is he saved us all look he can fix our droids and things that means that we can actually turn the tide to win the war Flashback to Coruscant, where Palpatine and Anakin are now in Palpatine's office. And Anakin's like, you know, that's great. Now that you've seen that senator, he lost all his money on the casino table and things. And you watch that happen. You can now take him down. He's really corrupt. You know, it's amazing. And then Palpatine's like, well, it's not actually that simple. I may not even ever be able to get that corrupt politician out of power. There's a lot of different things. It's not my wish. You know, I can't, I'm not a dictator. I can't just point at him and say, go. It has to be on the Senate. We have to have voting. We have to do all these sort of things and the bureaucracy that goes along with it. And then Anakin's like, well, if you can't and the Jedi can't, then who can? And Palpatine's like, that's a very good question. You know, that's the sort of thing that keeps me up at night. And then Palpatine says, you know, are you happy in the Jedi Temple? And then Anakin says, of course I am. It's all I've ever wanted. And then Palpatine's like, I see. And then it basically what Palpatine says to Anakin is, look, if you ever feel like you don't fit into the Jedi temple, if you ever feel like something a bit different, you can come here with me. And there's always a place here for you. Of course, once your training is complete, you can come here and I can make extraordinary use of a man such as yourself. You are incredibly gifted and thank you for coming on this mission with me. And so then it flashes to slightly later on, still before the mission, and Obi-Wan and Anakin are speaking at the Jedi temple. And Anakin is basically saying, look, I understand how significant this is, but I, I want to leave the order and things. And so they have sort of a back and forth between it and things. And this is another part I want to actually read the quote of because this is actually quite brilliant. Obi-Wan says, you know, you can't make this offer lightly. You know, if you're going to leave, there are consequences and things. And Anakin says, do you know how I joined the order? I've never forgotten. My mother asked Qui-Gon if he would take me away if I become a Jedi. He said yes, and that was all. My entire life then decided right when I was nine years old. Qui-Gon said Jedi training would be difficult. That would be a hard life. I saw a magic man with a sword made out of light in a starship. I was a slave on a world made of dust. What was I going to say? No. I think that's really interesting. Because obviously, retrospectively thinking about it, that is all very, very true. And they do make very good arguments in this for why Anakin started to question things a lot more. But he gives his lightsaber back to Obi-Wan. He says, look, I know my training isn't complete and I know there's a lot left to learn and things. But I can just feel the galaxy calling to me. I don't want to be held back forever i can i want to just leave and then maybe later on i can come back finish my training and things and obi-wan just says fine okay that's go ahead with it so then it cuts back forward to carnelian 4 where they're on this you know sort of crazy mission and things obi-wan and greca are in some sort of ruins and things and says look that the call for the jedi is around here and things and 
Obi-Wan's like, you don't know who potentially sent it. And then Greg is like, well, no, everything down here is dead. And he's like, okay, well, I know you keep saying things are dead, but there's these kites about with dropping gifts around. And then you, you and Mother Pan suddenly, as soon as I said there was a signal coming from the wastes, you and her who seemed to hate each other suddenly were on the same team in things. You know, it seems a bit odd to me. And then before that line, you think he can kind of carry on any further. This absolutely gigantic kind of almost like godzilla sized beast comes out and it's basically a fish thing for lack of a better word it's kind of hard it's like a dragon with arms but no wings that lived in the water kind of looks like and then obi-wan pauses lightsaber out and is like well cool i'm gonna get this sorted and greco immediately freaks out and shoots up a flare obi-wan's like why'd you do that and he was like, i was just calling it for help and obi-wan's like well, i was gonna sort this and then another two or three beasts show up and obi-wan's just like oh for god's sake and then they hear like there's a door that opens and someone just says quick get in here now and then grek is like thank you so much and he just dives in and like quick close the door we'll leave that jedi out here and then the other one's like no i'm not gonna do that and then the person who let grekker in shoots grekker and then Obi-Wan kind of opens the door and is like, uh, what do you just do? And then this person who's a hooded figure says, look, I just saved your life. He was going to close the door on you to fight these beasts. I've been waiting for you a long time, the Jedi. And Obi-Wan basically sees this big hangar with like starships and loads of cool, weird things in there. And he's like, what is all of this? And he says, hope. And so the hood comes down, the mask comes off, and it turns out this mysterious stranger is actually a female called Sira. And essentially she says, this is the remnants of the old world. This has got a lot of cool things. And he's like, oh, so you've been sending the kites up. And she's like, yes, I've been trying to show people, mainly the youth, what the world used to be like. And it's not all about being in this open and closed war and things. And so everyone's like, oh, so you sent the message for the Jedi. She's like, yes, I did. I saw this hologram of someone with a laser sword cutting down loads of people. And I thought that's what we need here. We need an army of, of Jedi to come and be strong and fight and basically kill all the closed and the open to stop this war. And everyone's like, well, I didn't want to come here and just kill everyone they have sort of a back and forth a little bit and then it cuts back to anakin being with mother pran and kalara and essentially mother pran says thank you so much for anakin it's great but we've got all these mechs now we're gonna go and basically kill all the others and while this happening there's like a little speech bubble thing coming from sira who's talking over it essentially and saying that the only thing that the open and closed hate more than each other is me because she's nicknamed the scavenger and she's the one who's been trying to remind them of their life outside of the war trying to send these pieces of art as propaganda to try and get the youth to kind of understand there's a bit more to life than war so then Mother Pran basically leaves Anakin tied up with the rest of the young kids and things and says, look, we're going to go finish this war. We're going to get rid of the scavenger. We're going to get rid of uh, the clothes. We're going to go sort this out. And she says, basically, Kalara, you stay here and wait. And then we're on to the last comic. I didn't want to say in the middle when I'm splitting between all the comics, but we're on the last comic now. So on the final act, comic starts with the youth. There's uh, about five of them basically speaking right near where Anakin's tied up and they're basically trying to figure out what to do. They're saying, you know, all of the adults have gone. They're going to kill the scavenger. What are we going to do sort of thing? And Anakin basically says, look, we should try and save the scavenger. You know, my Obi-Wan's over there. He's gone to find the scavenger. He's not going to kill him and they may all kill my master. Can't let that happen. But also we shouldn't kill the scavenger. One of the youths is like, well, who are you? What do you have to say? Why should we spare the scavenger? And Anakin's like, well, how many of you have got a little bit of art one of those little shiny things from the kites that you've got hidden away and all of them kind of look a bit sheepish and things and he's like exactly he's like so you all care enough about what the scavenger's doing look i can help you guys but i need you to help me too we can go we can save the scavenger we can potentially stop the war but i need you guys to all help 
flash to Obi-Wan speaking with Sira, and they're talking more about sort of the Jedi and things, and this hologram she saw, and she's like, I only wish I could show you the full video of it, but this is so old now, I used to have a full colour video of this Jedi coming and liberating people and things, but I've just got this still image. And Obi-Wan's like, well, what, what colour lightsaber did this warrior have who was going around killing a lot of people? And she's like, oh, it was red. Does it matter? And then suddenly you hear this boom. And then it's obviously the open and closed are now attacking where the scavenger is. Just want to say in that it's quite cool that obviously a lot of people don't know who the Sith are or what the Sith are because the Sith haven't been a thing for like a thousand years at this point. And obviously everyone knows about the Jedi, relatively everyone. So... A lot of people, I think it's happened in other canon content as well, where people have seen Sith and mistakenly thought they were Jedi, and vice versa. After hearing the boom, Obi-Wan goes outside and, and things. Sira says, look, you need to kill all of them. And Obi-Wan's like, I'm not, I'm not going to kill these people. I'm going to go talk to them. So he jumps down and Grekka's there with a couple of other people. And then he's like, look, I don't want to fight any of you. And Grekka's like, kill him, get him right now. And Obi-Wan's like, what? Okay, I don't want to fight you. I'm not your enemy sort of thing. And they start shooting at him. And I just thought this bit was quite cool. They shoot guns with bullets, which is quite rare in Star Wars. As most people know, it's almost always blasters and things. We're shooting lasers and things. And it was quite cool just to see bullets. And the lightsaber does block a lot of the bullets but as the bullets sort of clip the lightsaber little pieces of them kind of fly, fling off and kind of catch Obi-Wan's shoulder so if you ever want to fight a Jedi maybe using bullets is a better option than using sort of laser blasters and things. Then the open show up Mother Pran in her giant war machine along with a couple other war machines not the Zeppelins and then the open and the closed start this big skirmish. Then this explosion happens, blowing Greca quite far away, assumedly dead. And Obi-Wan's kind of wounded, but he's kind of fine. He's just getting up. And then the Mother Pran in this giant war machine thing looks at Obi-Wan. He's like, Mother Pran, where's, where's Anakin? And she just doesn't respond, aims at him, says fire. And as the gun starts to fire, Anakin swoops down in a speeder and gets at Obi-Wan. And this is one of the last things I'm going to read out from this comic. But some of the dialogue in this comic is just so good that I just can't help but read it. As Anakin swoops and grabs Obi-Wan, he says, Are you all right, Master? And everyone's like, well, enough. Thanks, Anakin. Where did you find this flying machine? Oh, I didn't find it, Master. I built it. And then Obi-Wan says, ah, of course you did. And I just love that. It's just that little... I, I, just, I thought that was just brilliant. Then as Anakin and Obi-Wan are going off, they're saying we need to find some way to communicate or something off-world. So they go and find this sort of communication array, which is inside Sira the Scavenger's sort of warehouse essentially and while that's happening Sira's talking to the youth and saying look it's ridiculous you know you can see all these people fighting each other you know this isn't your war if you just wait it out hopefully the open and closed will all kill each other and this will be over and Kalara and the youth are like we don't want that to happen they're still our people even if we think that they're maybe not doing the best things they're still our people we need to help them we don't want to be a part of this war but that, that doesn't matter we're still a part of it anyway so we need to go ahead with it and so they basically zoom off and Sira's like what and then right when everything starts to get sort of really bad and you think, oh no, you know, the youth are going to get uh, die and all this sort of stuff, you hear this sort of big rumbling and everyone's like, oh my god, look at the sky. And then loads of Republic ships come down and say, look, stop fighting, stop all hostilities, you know. And the people are like, oh my god, look, it's a sky gift. And then essentially what happens is Obi-Wan speaks to Anakin and says, look, I spoke to the Republic and they basically come down here they're going to try and clear some of this toxic fog and things and while they're doing that as well they're going to stop the open and close from fighting each other hopefully that'll be just enough time to stop the wars going on so people can actually talk about things and maybe that will stop the conflict on here 
and Anakin's saying the Order just believed you, you know, they just believed you, Obi-Wan Kenobi, that all this is going to happen. And Obi-Wan says, the Republic didn't come here because me, Obi-Wan, did it. The Republic came here because a Jedi called them. Being a Jedi is not just about power, or even our lightsabers and skill with the Force. It's about connection. It's about being part of something bigger. I am stronger as part of the Jedi Order as I ever could be alone. And in that, he says to Anakin, the road lies before you, Anakin. Would you like to walk it alone? And Anakin says, no, master. I'd like to walk it as a Jedi, if you'll show me the way. Which is a really nice way for the comic to end. It's just like a real cool thing. There's one little flashback that happens a tiny bit before that I want to just end it on, which I thought was quite cool. And essentially, it's Yoda and Obi-Wan just speaking about what's going on with Anakin and Obi-Wan saying I don't know where I've failed him I've tried to teach him my best you know he does belong here it's just he's not ready he's he's too young I, I don't know what to do with him and things and Yoda says look we knew this was going to be difficult but I believe with you you can kind of do this and things and Obi-Wan's saying but he wants to leave what what can I do how can this how can we do anything about this and Yoda says, look, there's one last mission I want to send you on. If you can do that, maybe you'll sort it out. But he says, and this is the last quote I'm going to read out direct. If after your return, Anakin still wishes to leave us, then released he shall be. Jailers, the Jedi, are not. Which is quite a nice little quote. But also, Yoda says, what happens if, if he leaves? What are you going to do? And Obi-Wan says, I'll have to leave the Order. Obi-Wan says, I'll have to leave the Order and continue his training outside of the Order. I said to Qui-Gon is dying wish was for me to train Anakin if we leave him by himself who knows what could happen to him he needs someone to be there as a guide of some sort and Yoda says I agree with you completely but the Jedi Council probably won't just to warn you and everyone says well I guess that's that I mean if if the order don't agree and they don't want to help train Anakin outside of it then me and Anakin together will just have to completely leave the order and that'll be that and Yoda says understood but we'll see what this mission holds and that's essentially how the comic ends. And I just love that. I, I love that in this comic, it shows that Obi-Wan would have left the Jedi Order to continue to train Anakin due to the sort of dying wish of Qui-Gon, which just shows how much he respected Qui-Gon, but also how important Obi-Wan knows Anakin is. And Obi-Wan is very much quite into the rules and things. Quite a lot shown in the, in the films and things. He's not much of a rule breaker, but just showing he would leave the whole order just to train Anakin is just incredible. And the fact that Anakin was thinking about leaving the order so early on is also really interesting for the characters. So anyone who likes the prequels, I like all the Star Wars films, you know, I'm not going to split hairs over XYZ, but I like all of them for different reasons. And I think the prequels have got some of the best storytelling in, but executed not the best, to be honest, but the Clone Wars, in my opinion, redeemed a lot of it. So if you're a fan of some of the prequels, but, you know, some of the storytelling isn't ideal, really, really recommend this comic. It is a, an amazing guide to really help understanding the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. It's a really cool story. There's a lot of action scenes in there that I kind of glazed over. There's a lot of dialogue I glazed over as well that adds a lot of flavour text to it. But as I said, I don't want to read everything out verbatim. I just want to give you a gist of the story. So if you don't want to read it, you still have an idea of the canon context. But if you do want to read the story, you can still get a lot out of it. That's basically it for me, guys, because I've been talking for quite a while here. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at that. I really appreciate all you guys checking this out. I haven't figured out what I'm going to be doing next week, in all honesty. Obviously, I said monthly I'm going to try and do that Star Wars run of comics. So I'll probably do that a little bit later down the line. 
So I haven't really thought of what I'm going to do next week, to be blunt. So I will figure that out and it will be a surprise for you guys next week. I've got my other show, Genuine Chit Chat. I have a different guest on every week. So be sure to check that out. Uh, the recent ones with Max and Dave. Max of Mandatory Marvel and DC. Dave of Comics in Motion. And there's more coming up with Chris and Dave of Comics in Motion and that sort of things as well. So make sure you tune into Genuine Chit Chat. And that's really it from me, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And may the force be with you.